Well, once again, we've enjoyed the marvelous display of banners as we celebrate the ministries of this parish. And each one represents, if you think about it, a community of concern in which people gather for friendship and for service or in order to change the world. These banners represent uh, an outpouring of compassion for neighbors near and far. One of those banners represents Global Missions, uh, a ministry that is being taken on this year by Lana Jordan. And in some ways, Global Missions can seem sort of marginal or extraneous to, to our common life. But in other ways, it really gets at the heart of the gospel, the heart of who we say we are. We say we are a worshiping community uh, who grow in faith, grow in our trust in God's love as we engage God and neighbor. And it's actually that engagement that's fairly subversive because it's about difference. It's about engaging with people who are very different than ourselves. And sometimes doing it way across the world can open our eyes to some things that are going on in our own midst. What happens when we engage difference, uh, sometimes over time we start listening to stories and telling our own and realizing that self-disclosure begets self-disclosure. What happens is we often find ourselves discovering that that thing we thought was so different and scary and other uh, is not that way at all. The, the monster under the bed turns out to be a dust ball, and we find ourselves entering into a new kind of appreciation of otherness. But there's something else that happens when we do this, and that is that we get freed up. We find ourselves able to live less anxiously and more creatively and less getting likely to get bent out of shape by the, 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 the eddies and flows that go on around us in our society, uh, where people want us to get all worked up about stuff. We find ourselves able to live more freely and more generously and more truly when we start addressing difference, which also means addressing our fears. It's, it's, it's really uh, liberating stuff, and it's what we're about one of these global relationships is with Tanzania, with the Diocese of Western Tanganyika. And I remember as I became politically aware uh, during 20 years of the rule of Julius Nyerere uh, as Prime Minister of Tanzania that he was held up, at least in the English papers, as, as the, the bad man of Africa. He represented everything that was wrong with post-colonial Africa. He was cavorting off to China, and he had a, a socialist agenda that he made a big declaration about, and he was dependent on foreign aid, and he tried to make collective farming a thing, and he, he burned villages if the people resisted him, and he was not a good guy. And all of this stuff uh, was true, and he left his country when he handed over to a hand-picked successor. He left an impoverished, dependent country. And there's much uh, to, to about Tanzania, especially in the poorest western part where we go, that is profoundly discomforting. They might have been called backwards in, in other days, but that would be wrong. But one of the things that we've learned through talking to them is that people hold Nyerere in great respect. It's, it's sort of a, a curious thing. He's remembered as the father of the country. It seems he not only forced entire villages to collective farms, but he also did some other things. He made Swahili the national language rather than English. He took leaders, tribal leaders, from one part of the country and made them be educated in another part of the country in state schools. He nationalized all the schools, got rid of the church schools. 
And what he did, in spite of everything bad, he forged a nation. He made a people. Every country around Tanzania that borders Tanzania, and there were seven of them, has had in recent years significant bloody tribal conflict, war between tribes. There are over 120 tribal groups in Tanzania, and it's not been an issue. He did something that is worth celebrating in the midst of all of that. There are tensions, but they tend to be tensions between Christians and Muslims these days, and there's a long history there because the Muslims tended to run the slave trade through that part of the world. Now, bring this up because this business of forming a people, forming a nation, is what's going on in our reading from Joshua. This business from Joshua is actually a liturgical event. It's calling people together, assembling the people, remembering what God has done, and then renewing the covenant. Choose this day whom you will serve. We will serve the Lord, and then sending them back out, restored in the memory of the God that they serve, the God who loves them. That's actually what we do here every week, if you think about it. It's, it's forming a people. That's what was going on in Joshua when, 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 when they came into the land. They found there were lots of other people there. There were other tribes. There were other tribal gods. There were conflicts. There were intermarriage. There was a lot of uh, things trying to pull away at the remembrance of what really matters. And so they had this renewal, this covenant renewal that they did over and over and over again, just like we do with baptism, or in fact what we do every week here, where we turn toward what really matters, and we remember what is of ultimate worth, and we allow, allow that, that word of love to shape our choices in the days and, and weeks to come. Now, sometimes we are faced with real moral choices, an either-or, a yes-or-no, choose this day. Sometimes there is the kind of urgency that often people try and seem to manufacture. It was true in this parish during the time of racial justice. And it was the time, it was true as the roles of women changed and this community embraced those changes. And it was true more recently as we heard each other's stories and moved from uh, tolerance to affirmation of gay and lesbian brothers and sisters. I will never forget, I'll, I share it with permission, Alvin Moore in 2003 telling the rest of the vestry, the governing body of this parish, who, what it was like to grow up not only black in Columbus, Georgia, but also gay in Columbus, Georgia during the heights of the civil rights movement. We hear those stories, we've made choices, choose this day whom you will serve, and that has been really important from time to time. But most of the time, most of the time, we're not faced with this urgent thing. I can't wait for this election to be over, because they're trying to tell us this is apocalyptic choice, and it matters enormously, and there's still going to be a government in January, and you know, we'll get on, and it'll happen. And, and we don't need to get all bent out of shape or worked up by a creation of a kind of false urgency. You've heard the thing, live every moment as though it's your last that's exhausting. I mean, you just can't, you just can't do it. And, and so, so what we do instead is we shape our lives and we form the habits of the heart that are going to sustain us when the time comes where we do have a crisis 
where there is something urgent. And so we take on habits, habits that remind us what's really important. Worship is a massively important habit for the Christian community. We take on habits of of love and friendship, learning how to tell the truth and how to disclose ourselves that we can we can hear the disclosure of others. And, and we practice generosity because we know that when we're generous, we get freed up. And so we make commitments about habitual giving, sustained and sustaining giving. And we make commitments about service. All of these ministries that we're celebrating today, all of them are communities of concern. And, and when we're conscious and chosen about certain kinds of service, we're shaping our lives so that when the crisis comes, we remember. We remember that we were in bondage in Egypt and we were brought out of Egypt into the land of promise. We remember that we were turned from sin toward grace, that we've been moved from death to life. And we remember that however bad our circumstances seem right now at this minute, that we are beloved of God and that God is trustworthy for life and that and that we will live. Now, we've got lots of things coming down the pipe this year, Uh, lots of choices that we'll make as we live those habits. We'll be talking about economics this this fall as we get ready for the the Tanner Lecture uh, on Economy of Grace, the Evans Woodall Lecture, and that will be about stewardship, and that that will be a conversation about what matters, but it's something that takes place over time. We're getting ready to repair these windows that are broken and build out youth space. If you've been around, you know that, that, that we are bursting at the seams and we've, got to, we've simply got to do something. We've got to make life better for those who have creaky joints. And, uh, and this campus is a nightmare for if you're in a wheelchair or on, on a crutch or something. And we've got to address those things. But what, what, what that will take is not a crisis, but a people. A people who know that God loves us, a people who have formed the habits of the heart, the habits of friendship, the habits of service, the habits of generosity, the habits of worship, and that we are ready to remember what God has done for us. We're going to need to engage those ministries that we celebrate this day. In the rituals of old, the people were told, choose this day whom you will serve. And they responded as we respond. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. In silence and in response to the gospel, let us pray.